Hello everyone and thank you so much for clicking on this podcast and this particular episode of Joe Blogs About Films. Whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, like I state in every episode, it means the world that you've clicked onto this podcast for a good old listen and hearing me waffling away in your ear all for about 10-15 minutes or so. It does mean the world. Thank you so much for your support. We are keeping things spooky for October as The Exorcist Believer rolled into cinemas over the weekend, directed by David Gordon Green, having not long completed the recent and divisive Halloween trilogy. We all know just how impactful the original Exorcist film was for moviegoers and critics, and it's something that still to this day gives people, me, the eebie-jeebies. I remember my first viewing of William Friedkin's classic and having a bit of a traumatic time with much of the film's imagery and, of course, the brilliant practical effects that are in there. It's a feeling and impact that most films can't really replicate or have the that initial response. And it's still, like, to this day, has that same impact, you know? Especially for me anyways, because there's certain scenes that I find just a little hard to watch due to the fear that it instills, you know? And... It does, of course, yes, look dated in places, but those are very minor moments as the whole film really keeps the suspense, but also, most notably, its dark imagery. Now, The Exorcist Believer, on the other hand, doesn't really ever get going, if I'm being honest. And what I mean by that is that it never really gets past the point of just being eerie or creepy. And that might be good and fine for some fans, but for me, it just didn't have the same impact as what I was expecting. I really wanted that horrifying imagery where you can't get certain scenes out of your head. You know those films that have those certain scenes where you just keep replaying it thinking, God and Benny, that was so, so impactful. You know, like, or even still, you know, you see those films and then you leave the cinema just feeling uneasy. Like, I was expecting expecting that and there was none of it which then led me to think whether this film was needed or not now you can make an argument that no sequel is necessarily needed but this new exorcist certainly falls in that category of completely unnecessary and i feel sorry for any horror fans that are new to the genre we should say or like you know younger audiences that will watch this maybe having never seen the first because the Exorcist Believer isn't the film that's going to make you want to go back and watch the iconic original if you've never seen it, you know, from 1973. To be honest, I was expecting a lot more as the trailers for this film were bloody terrifying. Like, I honestly was so nervous about watching this film on the back of the trailer, but it does seem that the film just transcended into a cheap imitation of the original, especially that third act of the film. It was so disappointing. And all the best bits were in the bloody trailer. So there you go. But we're going to be talking about that on this episode. Mostly spoiler-free. I mean, there might be lightish spoilers here and there, but there's not even a great deal to spoil, if I'm being honest. We'll get there and cross that bridge, but thank you so much for clicking on this podcast. It is available on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, as to RSS.com. Jump onto the socials, mainly Facebook and Instagram. Search Joe Blogs about films in there. Give us a like and a follow. That would be awesome. If you could hit the notification button, wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast from, that would be awesome. Finally, though, please leave us a review. Five stars, whatever stars. Hit those buttons. I would love you long time. After going missing in the woods for three days, a pair of teenage girls return home. Their increasingly strange and threatening behaviour suggests something evil has come back with them. First things first, the two girls in this film, named Catherine and Angela, played by Olivia O'Neill and Lydia Jewett, were both brilliant. Certainly no denying the performance from these two young stars. They brought so much to their scenes, both possessed and not possessed. You know, The uneasiness surrounding the characters upon their return from going missing in the woods is probably the best part of this film, that 
unknown element of it, not knowing exactly what happened to them or why they are behaving in the way they are around the parents and such. The film has these really intense moments that go from zero to a hundred in a split second. Things like bedtime where the girls are getting tucked in or whatever, you know, saying goodnight only to just stop being the normal girl they are and snapping things like, now leave me alone. Just like it kept that fear brewing, you know, you're waiting for the next scare, which may or may never come. All of that was really, really cool. And following on from that uneasiness, the film really worked well with the parents, you know, when they were searching for the kids upon their disappearance. Again, that whole build-up, I thought, was a real highlight as it brought in the theme of belief and how these two families react to these children going missing. On one side, with Catherine, she has a very religious background and upbringing. Her parents always attend church and are full-on believers. And then on the other scale, on the other side, you've got Angela and her single dad, who has zero belief in God or faith due to the tragic loss of his wife. These two completely different personalities come crashing and clashing together, which does make for some great viewing at times. It's just the film only scrapes at this and doesn't fully dive further into that. Now, of course, faith and religion is a key theme for these kind of films, obviously. <laughs> but it would have been better, in my opinion, to really dive into Angela's father, that's Victor, played by Leslie Odom Jr., and just the development of his belief and finding some balance there in order to save his daughter. Again, I'm not saying the film doesn't do this at all, but again, as I said a moment ago, it doesn't dive further into that character development, and there's only really one conversation he has with the neighbour about God, and that he doesn't believe in that question, do you believe in God, etc, etc. Now, I did enjoy the backstory of why Victor is so protective of his daughter, given the film's explosive opening, where we get those classic nods to the original of those, like, violent close-up shots, you know, of, like, dogs playing or, like, traffic screeching, etc. Like, it worked well for the arc of the father-daughter relationship and unearthed some past and personal trauma for Victor. You know, losing his wife was one thing, but to see what has happened to his daughter is another, and it's something that would cause a fracture in faith. But again, I don't really think the film spent enough time to explore or develop that, and it just focused on the shell of the character and their feelings than really diving into them. Now, with Catherine's family in the film, they don't get really any personal moments. The film does structure itself solely around Angela, which is fine, absolutely fine. And I guess you don't want to overstuff the film, but when you've got two girls possessed, why aren't we exploring the other, the other family? Why, why, why is it then? Why have you got two girls possessed then? It was like all the audience needed to know was that Catherine's family, they were religious, and that's that. Like, Catherine's parents, Miranda and Tony, played by Jennifer Nettles and Norbert Leo Butts, they do get their odd moments to shine, more so when they're theorising that their daughter travelled to hell, and then, you know, that's when they went missing, and then they've returned with the devil or something along those lines. But... They just felt lost in the background of the film. There were other characters that were more prominent, you know, and more memorable than these two, which is a real shame. But speaking of memorable characters, the latest Exorcist brings back Ellen Burstein as Chris McNeil. Why? I have no idea, as she was completely sidelined and only brought in, I feel, to get bums in seats. I didn't at all like what they did with this character, and it again just felt so needless. Worse yet, she's not even part of the damn exorcism. As a character and a parent that has had dealings with this sort of thing, 
I don't understand why she wasn't alongside the family once the exorcism began. Like, she gets a very cool and creepy scene with Catherine, again, spoiled by the trailer, and that's about it. Gets a touching moment at the end, but really, again, there's, there's nothing to it whatsoever. But coming to the exorcism itself within the film, this is where I switched off, to be honest with you. The film's called The Exorcist Believer, yet the exorcism within the film was absolutely dire. Light spoils perhaps here, but I just didn't think of or like really the whole coming together aspect of all these different people in one room trying to separate the demon from these girls. I know what they were going for, this approach of it takes so many different beliefs to save them, but it was executed so cheaply and at times very, very comically. Like, I do not understand why the was-to-be-none next door was given the responsibility of leading the charge as well, you know? absolutely bonkers when we've got a priest from the local church right there next to them i i know there was the priest outside in the car who was like i can't do it can't do it but there were so many other people in that room why why was the neighbor given the job it was oh jesus christ it was so so bad it is a shame that the film just didn't stick that landing really when it came to the exorcism side of things because the film has some really great atmosphere and build up with tension but ultimately when it came to the actual possession and exorcism it just felt a little rushed and like i stated earlier it just felt like a imitation don't get me wrong i've said plenty of time cool concepts and ideas for this film but nothing is ever really explained like we don't get why or how the girls got possessed aside from what they were doing with trying to speak to a spirit but we just get that theory from Catherine's parents and that's it i thought the opening of the film was going to have something to do with it when angela's parents were in mexico i think it was at the start or wherever they were you know the baby bump got blessed but nothing nothing at all i mean so that, that, that that sets the trajectory for Angela and her father, but nothing really in terms of why it is that this girl has been possessed. I thought as well the reason why Regan from the original no longer speaks or has a relationship with her mum was so lazy writing. Like, no longer speaking to her following the release of a book that her mother dropped. Awful, brilliant. What a way to just be like, right, we can't really get her in this film, so we'll just pretend that they're not talking anymore. I was like, come on. Like, and to be honest, the whole Chris McNeil side of the film was just lazy, absolutely lazy, didn't need to happen. And it was just a case of linking this one to the original. It just all felt so lackluster and rush, you know. And when you think about the original and the striking imagery that's in there, or like the setting, you know, when the priest entered the bedroom, it's all cold and darkly lit and you just you felt every aspect of what you know what you were watching when it was happening and I and I really felt that Regan was in peril and had to be saved this new one just felt like I was going through the motions and it never never really got going I cannot say I'm at all convinced that the next couple of sequels will be better than this there's a certainly a like a path the writers you know they could go down following this film but it's whether they can pull it off with the exorcist deceiver it's meant to be called which is dropping in 2025 but again i'm just not who's going to want to watch that after watching this one do you know what i mean because for me this is a 5.5 out of 10 i think nowhere near the levels of the original and nowhere near the levels of any other exorcism or possession films that have dropped over the over the years this really, for me, should have been a separate thing altogether and not just had the Exorcist title plastered on it. Really, really poor effort. But that's just my thoughts, obviously. I would more importantly like to know what you think of the film. Are you invested in where they're going with this? Did you did you enjoy it more than anything? And, and 
are you hoping that they could maybe make the next one a little bit better? I don't know. I just, I really just really underwhelmed because I, I thought, like I say, the trailers made it out to look really, really haunting, but it really, really wasn't. Slept like a baby afterwards. But thank you as always for listening to this podcast. It means the world. Do hit us up on the socials, like and follow on Instagram and Facebook, all that jazz. Hit notification where you're streaming it from. Leave us a review, like I say. But until the next episode, take care.